Okay, let's open up the scriptures. Verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free, standing firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Paul ended the previous chapter with an allegory of the two sons of Abraham. Abraham Abraham had a son with a slave woman named Hagar, and that situation represented the covenant of slavery and sin with the law of Moses. Abraham also later had a son with his wife, Sarah, representing freedom found in God's work. Paul reminds the believers that they are children of the free woman and not of the slave woman. We have to remember that Abraham's first son, Ishmael, was conceived outside of God's promise. God promised that Sarah would have would have Abraham's son. He did not tell Abraham to go and have sex with another woman other than his wife to provide the offspring. That was outside of God's plan. So when Abraham had Ishmael with his slave Hagar, it was by his own will, his idea, his own effort, his own flesh. Abraham and Sarah were in doubt of God's ability to deliver on his promise. It was the path of sin. However, Abraham's son Isaac, his second son, who came from his wife Sarah, was according to God's will. It was God's idea, it was God's promise, it was God's work that made it happen in Sarah, who was barren. Sarah couldn't have a child without God's direct intervention. It was God's plan that Abraham's heir would come this way through the special work of God and not through the effort of Abraham. So back to verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So what is freedom? This freedom is not found in trying to make God's promises of salvation happen in our own efforts and by our own ways. Instead, we rely entirely on God's work, his effort, his timing, and we trust him instead of our understanding. This is not the American idea of freedom. This is not the kind of freedom that says, this is a free country, I'll do whatever I want. What most Americans mean when they talk about freedom is personal freedom. Sociologist Robert Bella said, let me grab my quote card here. Robert Bella said, freedom is perhaps the most resonant, deeply held American value. Yet freedom for them turns out to mean being left alone by others, not having other people's values or ideas or styles of life forced upon one, being free of arbitrary authority in work, in family, in political life. So in other words, what Americans really want is the freedom of being left alone. So when you see freedom here in this passage, push that idea of personal freedom out of your mind. This is not what freedom is about. This is not what this is saying when it says freedom. It's not about making sinful things no longer sinful. It's not about making it so that I can do whatever I want to do. It's talking about being free from having to be righteous on our own account to be saved from the judgment of hell. It's talking about having freedom from the power of sin and death that destroys us. Through the work of Jesus on the cross, we receive freedom from the authority that sin and death hold over our lives. When we believe God's salvation through Jesus is true, 
and are willing to rely on him to follow that promise outside of our efforts, we are in true freedom. We can live in peace and hope and confidence. So Paul says in this first verse, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. All right, verse two. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you accept circumcision or anything else, for that matter, to try to find righteousness, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Why is that? Because that was the whole point of Jesus coming and dying on the cross. He came to be the propitiation for our sin. He came to be the appeasement of God's wrath against our inability to be righteous. So either we accept Christ's propitiation for us, or we try to appease the wrath of God ourselves. There is no mixing the two. When you turn toward the pursuit of your own righteousness to earn salvation, you are turning away from dependence on Christ alone. If we choose to pursue any level of workspace righteousness, Christ is no advantage to us. It's the difference between going east or going west. You can't do both. You can't go both east and west. It's either your righteousness It's either your righteousness that appeases God, which is impossible, or it's Christ's righteousness that appeases God on your behalf. They don't mix. All right, verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Circumcision was how the Galatians were trying to add to Christ's work. They were doing the same thing that Abraham had done with Hagar. They were trying to gain God's approval in a different way than how God said it should be done. Circumcision was their safety net. They already knew and understood the gospel clearly. They understood that Jesus was crucified and that he had died on on their behalf. But they had come to believe they needed more. They needed an edge. They needed some extra righteousness points with God, just in case. So they took on part of the Old Testament law, such as circumcision, to to act as that safety net. But as Paul points out, only following one piece of the law doesn't do a thing for you. If we choose to pursue any level of workspace righteousness, Christ is no advantage to us, and we are obligated to, to keep the whole law. When I rock climb, I have to use every piece of the equipment that I had laying on here in, in order for the whole system to work. If I don't have my harness, my harness on, I fall and die. If I don't have my rope, I fall and die. If I don't have my quick draws that hold my rope against the wall, I fall and die. If I don't have the knowledge of how to do that all correctly, I fall and die. If I don't have someone holding the other end of the rope correctly with all of their correct equipment and their correct knowledge, I fall and die. And now that I'm thinking about it, rock climbing is sounding particularly dangerous. So maybe Bethany and I need to uh, revisit this trip. But anyway, works-based righteousness works the same way. It's kind of like the Galatians are going rock climbing, but they've only put on the harness. As if the harness is going to have some special levitation powers or something. 
I'm sorry, Galatians, it doesn't work that way at all. You have to have it all for it to save your life. Okay, verse four. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So the Galatians, they desired to find a safety net. Their desire to find a safety net had seemed to do the opposite of what they think it would do. They think that cutting off their own flesh was going to gain some extra righteousness points for them to make them more acceptable to God. But in fact, it cut them off from God. It cuts them off from grace from God through Jesus. It is by the free grace of God through faith in Jesus that we are fully and entirely justified in God's eyes. Justification through following the law, our own works, and justification through faith in Christ alone are mutually exclusive. They do not mix. They contradict one another. The purpose of the law was to point to our inability to be righteous by our works. We couldn't do it. No one could do it. And his purpose was to bring to us to a full dependence on God's grace. The point is not to go back to the law, but forward towards Christ alone. If we choose to pursue any level of works-based righteousness, Christ is no advantage to us. We are obligated to keep the whole law and we are severed from Christ, falling from grace. And a little side note, this is the correct use of the phrase fallen from grace. Whenever you see a famous pastor, you know, get caught in a scandal or something, the news report might say something like they have fallen from grace. This just shows that they have never studied Galatians. Uh, To fall from grace is to reject God's grace for your salvation and to attempt to be righteous yourself. You fall from grace and you land in workspace religion. So next time you see that on the news or something, send a letter to your editor and say, hey, editor, go listen to Tommy's, uh, Tommy, (laughs) go listen to Tyson's sermon. I'm not Tommy, I'm Tyson. You you know where it is. It's on the FCC Green app. (laughs) Verse five, (laughs) let's dig in. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So here Paul is shifting away from the negative idea of pursuing a workspace righteousness safety net and toward the positive idea of complete dependence on Christ. It is not through our uncertain and inconsistent effort that we find righteousness. Instead, just like how the work of the Spirit eventually fulfilled God's promise to give Abraham a son. We also wait in faith that God will declare us righteousness on the day of judgment. We have faith and hope that God will say to us, you are righteous through Jesus. And this is not pathetic and illogical hope, like the kind one might have when waiting to see if they've won the Powerball lottery. Do you know what the chances of winning that are? I've heard it put it this way, that to win the Powerball lottery, it's like a game show announcer saying, we have hid all the money in one house somewhere in either the northern or southern American continents. You have one chance to guess the address. Ready? Go. Friends, that's not hope. That's delusion. Our hope is real hope. 
Ours is logical hope. Ours is hope based in experience. Our hope is based on the promises that God has made and kept for thousands of years as recorded in the Old Testament scriptures. Our hope is based on real historical evidence that repeatedly confirms the life of Jesus, the works of Jesus, and the words of Jesus. Our hope is felt inside when we become Christians. The Spirit of God indwells us and seals us for the day of judgment. And we see that in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. I also love how Hebrews 11 puts it, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the hope that we will be declared righteous on the final day of judgment is a hope of logic, of experience, of kept promises, of evidence. God will fulfill his promise of giving us grace and giving us the righteousness of Jesus Christ on the day of judgment. And it is a strong hope. If our faith is in Christ alone for justification, for righteousness, for salvation, then we do not have to fear falling. In Christ we have a strong and confident hope with no need for a safety net. We do not have to try to supplement our faith in Jesus with our works of righteousness, trying to earn salvation. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So back to rock climbing. If I try to climb the rocks of righteousness, we'll call them. I will fall. I will fall over and over and over and over. And truthfully, I will never get to the top. No one ever gets to the top of righteousness themselves. Even if I do have all of my safety equipment set up correctly, I'll never make it. But Christ stands at the top of the cliff. Christ stands at the top of the holy mountain of God. He is the only righteous person to have ever lived. And because of the work of Jesus on the cross, God offers us the righteousness of Jesus through grace. So we can choose to place our faith in Jesus and stand with Jesus on the top of the cliff without having to climb, without needing a safety net, or we can insist. We can insist on the need of a spiritual safety net, which puts us down at the bottom of the cliff, requiring us to climb all of it. Now moving on in verse 6, Paul shifts his usage of the word circumcision a little bit. Before, he was using it as a placeholder for works-based righteousness, which include the, included the Mosaic law. But grammatically here, he is now talking about the literal, physical act of circumcision. So jump in with me, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So what, what is this, Paul? I thought that this whole letter was written to Galatians because 
of the issue of circumcision, trying to convince them not to get circumcised. So then why all of a sudden this statement of in Christ, circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything? Because circumcision is just the side issue. The real issue is in what have you placed your faith? Is your faith placed in something you did or is it set in Jesus Christ alone? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision or anything else that you have done to earn God's favor counts for anything. This last line of this verse, but only faith working through love, it foreshadows what Paul will be talking about in the rest of the letter. Faith is not without action. It works through love. When you have genuine faith in Christ for your salvation, then you are free to love others. Jesus, when he was having his his last meal with his disciples, he washed their feet. And then he said to them in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus didn't say to his disciples, hey, I'm going to pay for the consequences of your sin. So you go ahead and live a life of selfishness and sin and just do whatever you want and have lots of personal freedom. You do you, okay? No, Christ didn't say that. Christ saved us from the power of sin and death so that we could love one another. Why? Because because he knows what is best for us. And what is best for us is that we are conformed into his likeness. And to conform to his likeness is to walk and live in love. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Our faith in Jesus works itself out through loving God and loving others. So now that's so now um, now that salvation is taken care of in Christ Jesus, a new commandment we are given to love one another just as Christ loved us. So to summarize where we've been this morning, Christ has set us free from slavery to sin and death. So why would you consider submitting again to that yoke of slavery? If we choose to pursue works-based righteousness, Christ has no advantage to us. We are obligated to keep the whole law. We are severed from Christ, falling from grace. Instead, we have the confident hope of righteousness through Christ that works itself out in us through love. So are you holding on to a safety net? Are you trying to hold on to a piece of workspace righteousness because you think it gives you an edge that it will make you more acceptable to God? It may end up cutting you off from God. So let's take a minute. Let's examine ourselves. We can try to identify a safety net that we might be using by asking ourselves these two questions. What in your life defines you as a good Christian or if you, if you were to lose it, what would make you doubt that you are saved? Your reputation, 
your marriage, your service record, your church attendance. Let's take a minute and think about this. I want to wrap up with reading through our passage one last time so that we can take everything that we've said and bring it all together in our minds. So let's turn to Galatians 5. We're going to read 1 through 6. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Romans 10.4 says, For Jesus is the end of the law of righteousness for everyone who believes. Don't allow yourself to set up spiritual safety nets. Don't allow yourself to be swayed to start relying on your own righteousness. Don't submit again to that yoke of slavery. Pray with me. God, I pray that we would in earnest place our faith in you alone for our righteousness. We are so thankful that we can have reconciliation to God through what you have done for us. So I pray that we would never turn back to what we can do to find that reconciliation. Show us where our safety nets are. Show us where we are depending on our works. God, we want to be more, be made more and more into your image. Please work in our hearts and make that so. We praise you, God. Amen.